Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of AGT. As always, I am your host. I am Amanda. And with me today, how can I introduce this other than saying, can I tell you about some comics? I want to welcome my guest, (laughs) Mark Allen Fishman. Hey, Mark, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you so much for having me. And hello, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, it is my pleasure. Thank you so much for reaching out to me and letting me know about this amazing Kickstarter that you have going on right now. Um, obviously, you know, um, we have known each other. We met at DanCon back in 2014, which is when I think I got my very first Cybernauts comic. Is that correct? 14 or was it 13? Might have been uh, back in 13. Probably 13, but we met, I know yeah. we met at DanceCon when I got my first comic, and I became an instant fan because one of the great things about Sermonauts is just looking at the cover and flipping through the pages, you start getting that, for someone as old as I am, you get that nostalgic feeling of things like Gotchamon, Voltron, um, even for when I was in my teens, a little bit of that um, Samurai Pizza Cats and Power Rangers, there's just that little bit of that that has got that little bit more content to it. So I've always been a major fan of it. And you have three comics out as of right now. You're almost finished with the fourth, and your Kickstarter is actually the graphic novel of all four books, correct? Yes, yes. Uh, The the book itself is collecting those four issues, which make up the entire series uh, of The Curse of the Dreadnoughts, which is the uh, story of an evil band of zombie cyborg pirates who essentially fight the Samurots way back in the 1500s, show up again in the 1800s, and now they've come back in the 2400s to uh, wreak revenge. And this story sort of explains the mystery of how that's even possible. Uh, and, yeah, the, the graphic novel itself is going to be 150 pages of original content there from the uh, four books that uh, draw into it, as well as 42 pages of never-seen-before bonus material uh, that really fleshes out sort of the universe the Samurais come from and uh, just basically a bunch of great stuff that uh, our fans have not seen before. And that never-before-seen um, backup story is written by a common friend of ours, Dan Doherty, um, who's also a comic creator, correct? Yeah, Dan Doherty could best be described as Unshaven Comics' frenemy because his beardo comics, and he's also very man-pretty, and we are three bearded slobs in comparison. But uh, when we first met Dan, uh, we had saw this guy, and we're like, oh, my God, there's another person with a uh, facial hair-themed comic book studio, and we're like, where is he from? He's from 10 minutes down the road from us, which was totally unfair. So we're like, we either must befriend him or destroy him. And we're not sure which we're going to do yet, 
but it seems like friending seemed to work out pretty well. And uh, basically, I helped him uh, when he was collecting uh, his comic series Beardo, his comic strip, into uh, volumes. I gave him a little hand with uh, some of the coloring. And in return, he promised that he would give us a little backup story for the Samurnauts. So it turned out to work out pretty well for us. Very nice. Yeah, let's not kill him yet. I kind of like him. And on top of being such a little pretty boy, the man can sing. If you ever get an opportunity to go to a convention where he is doing karaoke, you've got to listen to the man. That man has a set of pipes that's unbelievable. Absolutely. I'm going to say, like, even if he's not performing karaoke afterwards, just go to his table and yell at him to, to sing for you. And he will. He He's not shy by any means. <laughs> not, a, not at all. So um, with this, you know, so you got this, It's hundred. you said 150 pages from the, all four of the original issues. Um, of course, now, if somebody can't back the Kickstarter, obviously, you know, telling friends and family about it is always nice. And if they can't back this, the comics are still available at conventions that you go to. You've got a never-before-seen uh, backup story done by Dan Doherty. But you also have, like, a gallery of different pinups, some behind-the-scenes photos of all the Samurai model shots. Because you were telling me a little bit earlier that most of the Samurai are actually depictions of people that you know. Yeah. Uh, I guess the, the secret origin there is uh, when Unshaven Comics, we had done a, a more uh, mature anthology series prior to the Samurai called Disposable Razors. And in that series, I was only doing the writing as well as, like, lettering and design and maybe a little bit of the cover work. And when it was time to do the Samurai series, uh, Matt Wright, who is our uh, dedicated full-time artist for Unshaven Comics, basically turned around, and he's my best friend of 20 years. He put his finger in my face, and he's like, buddy, if we're doing a new book, you are doing half the art, no excuses. And I was like, okay, well, if that's the case, I'm going to need models because I definitely uh, work more uh, from photo reference than he does. So eventually what happened is when we were, we, after we finished the scripting for the Secret Origin of the Samurnauts, which was Disposable Razors Issue 3, which we eventually spun out to Samurnauts Genesis, uh, what, what happened is I basically at that point had recently retired from a very short-lived career in stand-up comedy. And in my travels of telling jokes, I had met a great sketch group called Big Dog Child out here in the south suburbs of Chicago. And I realized, like, all of those people in that group were highly emotive, really great nerds. I was like, oh, my God, these guys would make perfect Samurnauts. I'm going to call them up and uh, basically cross my fingers and said, hey, any chance you guys want to be uh, comic book superheroes? And before I could even hang up the phone, they had already shown up at my house in costumes ready to go. <laughs> Jeez, I don't know where you got that they're big nerds from then, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I should note, like, the first time I met them, we were both doing comedy out of the back of a comic book shop. So I guess uh, I pretty much figured out from the start, like, better befriend these guys. And it's been great because uh, they've been the Samurais for me ever since, and uh, they've always been great. Like, basically, anytime you can tell people, like, hey, I need you to look like somebody, you know, punched your lights out, and they're literally jumping across the floor to get the right shot. I mean, I, I knew that uh, that would be uh, really beneficial to the quality of the book. 
Oh, yeah. And speaking of the quality of book, you actually pulled out some really big names for this, doing some essays by some comic book legends. Mr. Mike Gold, former DC Comics editor and founder of First Comics, and John Ostrader, who is the acclaimed writer of Suicide Squad, Grimjack, The Spectre, Wasteland, and so many more. How did you manage that? Well, I caught them both in the bathroom doing an illicit act, and I, you know, kept it in my pocket. Now, uh, as it turns out, um, at our very first convention, uh, Wizard World Chicago 2008, we had put up a little sign on our table that said, are you an editor? Ask us about the booze special. Because we figured the only way we could break into the business beyond being independent publishers was to lure an editor with the promise of getting them drunk. And uh, Mike Gold happened to walk by our table, and he saw the sign, and he snickered and said, what's this all about? We explained ourselves. And he's like, well, that, that's a shame because I don't really drink. But, I, you know, I like the moxie, so tell me what you've got going. And uh, he wasn't really publishing anything at that point. He really had just started this great website, comicpix.com. And at that point, when we were done, he said, well, you know, I'd really like to just let's become friends. You know, if nothing else, you guys are great. And uh, I'd love to, you know, help you whenever I can, wherever I can. So, what ended up happening is I ended up started writing. I started writing professionally for Comic Mix on the side, and when they sort of launched uh, a columns uh, section of the website, they had me doing a column. I've been publishing with them uh, a weekly op-ed piece every Saturday now for the last five years, and I started paying attention to the bylines of who uh, who else I was joining, and it was uh, comic book legends like uh, Denny O'Neill who's written Batman and Green Arrow and just amazing amounts of other material for DC, John Ostrander, Michael Davis, uh, who was one of the founders of Milestone Media, the creator of Static Shock, and some other great, great people. And basically this was just me uh, with my uh, hands together praying that uh, Mike and John would uh, lend their talents to the book and I basically just asked them, and they were more than happy to help, and uh, I'm still very beholden to both of them for doing that. That is awesome. I just have to say that is totally awesome. But, of course, if there's one thing I've noticed about you guys is the power of your signs. You guys have (laughs) Hence the slight introduction that we did for AGP. If you ever see these guys, you're going to know it's definitely them because there they are holding a sign that says, can I tell you about my comic? And I love it. I absolutely love it. Where did you even think to start doing signs instead of, like, just leaning, jumping out to the crowd, tackling somebody going, come here, come look at this comic. You just hold up this sign, and it draws people to you. Where did you come up with that? Well, uh, basically, at a Wizard World Chicago, I want to say maybe 2011, uh, we were next to a great guy, Victor Dandridge. Uh, and at the time, Victor uh, wasn't making comics. He was actually selling some really cool pixel art prints. Uh, like He basically was able to distill, like I want to say, 100 characters from comic books into, like, 8-bit style sprites, and she was selling, like, postcards and prints and posters, and it was a really cool idea. However, uh, what he was doing was basically creating crowds of people that would all basically bandy about his table and shout answers that, you know, basically had, like, this game, like, if you pick 
I think it was like if you can name a dozen of them on the poster, then you get a free prize or something. And it was, it was named creating five. It was oh, five. Named five. Okay. Well, see, I, I'm a bad businessman. I want them to do a dozen so that I can't I can't give away anything. But yeah, Vic <laughs> was was next to us doing that, and it was creating a lot of commotion. And Kyle, God love him, uh, was, was uh, trying to pitch. And we've always had this pitch, but from our second show on, we've had this, can I tell you about my comic book? And it's, it's always worked because it, it catches people off guard when someone in the artist alley actually, you know, uh, tries to pitch out to people instead of just sort of sitting back and smiling. And uh, basically Kyle leaned over during all this commotion when he couldn't get a word in edgewise, and he just leaned over to me and he's like, Mark, can you please make me a sign that just says in big black letters, can I tell you about my comic book? I said, sure. So we grabbed a, like a 9 by 12 board and wrote it in big fat black marker, gave it to him, he held it up, and like immediately people were walking past and giggling and stopping. They're like, oh yeah, why not? And it just became one of those things, like so the next show, Matt typed it up in, uh, like, Times New Roman font on 8.5 by 11 paper and shoved it through a laminator because uh, he works for a, a uh, mail room. And he, he just threw that in the tub. And, like, I keep saying, like, one of these days, like, I'm a graphic designer by trade. I should design this thing, like, to look like a speech bubble, to be big and beautiful. But, really, it's the crappy DIY 8.5 by 11 uh, laminated sign that catches people off guard and it's got that like 10% desperation that really gets people to stop and talk to us which uh, hey, we will lean into that anytime. So in other words, let's thank Victor for drawing in crowds to make him have to have a sign because no one can speak over a crowd at Victor's table. <laughs> it's true and I said like when we've been at bigger cons like we've done New York Comic Con two years now and um you know, that's just a wave of humanity, and trying to get any of them to stop when you're in the middle of a big aisle, it's just not possible. So holding that little sign up is typically enough to get at least somebody to, like, see it out of the corner of their eye. And uh, for those people who have seen, like, the quote-unquote full show, uh, Matt, Kyle, and I will actually sit in order, and we will hold up Matt will hold up his drawing board, I'll hold up my drawing board, and Kyle will hold up his sign, and we actually say, hey, Look over here. Can I tell you about my comic book? <laughs> well, I have to commend you on that idea because not only does it work and bring people to your table, but it's a nice, quiet way without having to yell over everybody else, especially if someone's pitching to your right. You're not interrupting that pitch to where they still can't talk to their guests. So I find it to be a very brilliant move. Thank you. So we, we always try to be, uh, you know, cognizant of our neighbors and making sure it's the first thing we do when we get to every show we do is we meet our neighbors, we shake their hands and we say, Hey, look, you know, we are definitely the type that gets very proactive about pitching and we get very excited. We'll be a little loud. So at any point in time, we are stepping over the line. We want you to punch us in the face and say, stop it. And we will. And uh, knock on wood, that's never happened. So, we're, we're, we always like to make sure, and, and certainly, like, everybody in the Artist Alley, it's a community, so we like to know what books they're doing so that when we're done pitching, if we're not the right fit but our neighbor is, we'll definitely pass it over to them, or after someone's checked out our book and they're happy, we'll make sure to say, hey, you know, while you're here, check out this guy's book because it's cool. And uh, it's, always been, it's always worked well for us. Very nice. 
Now, going a little bit back towards the Kickstarter, because that's the whole purpose of you being on the show, is so we can really pitch the Kickstarter. You guys have some amazing, wonderful rewards that are out this time around. Everything from, of course, the main part of the reward, the graphic novel, to buttons and stickers, and you have prints and art and even T-shirts. And, of course, everybody's favorite thing, the one thing everybody just begs to be, you have the Be a Character, Become a Savernaut. For those choice few who really want to dig deep into their pockets, they will become a Savernaut. The backer here will become one of the Savernauts' villain, or if they prefer, in the upcoming publication, um, which is, this is more than just being background, you know, just someone sitting over in the side, you're actually, they're actually a character in the comic, correct? Correct. And I, I mean, I've seen definitely where a lot of people, like, with a book that's still in progress, that you know, for, you know, whatever uh, price point you can sort of be drawn into a crowd or, you know, put in the background or whatever. And, you know, I can appreciate that for sure. And I've definitely done that myself for my friend Trevor Mueller. Uh, He was offering appearances in his comic, and it was cool. Like, you basically show up in, like, a panel or two, which was awesome. But uh, for us, we we thought, okay, if we're going to really do this, you know, what's what's a unique twist on that concept? And for me, that unique concept is really in tandem with, well, let's actually turn somebody into an actual Samurai or a villain, their choice, uh, because to me, like, part of the, you know, fun of making comics is being able to be a little bit fluid about things, and because the Samurai themselves uh, take place over all of time and space, I feel like anybody who wants to back us at that $250 level, which admittedly that's pretty big deep, but if someone is to do that, um, they're going to know that we're going to infuse their personality, their, uh, you know, who they are, and be able to put that into a comic where they're going to feel like they have uh, sort of built a direction in for the character. Of course, I have to say... If I had the money, if I had the money, I think I like your absolutely insane pledge. And I love the fact that you actually call it the Are You Insane Pledge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, yeah. You know, in that particular case, uh, I know everybody – I mean, when I look at Kickstarters, I'll be honest, I sort of scroll to the bottom of the page and be like, okay, what's what's the ultimate thing? And I've seen a lot of people do like the – hey, you know, we'll do a portfolio review and we'll fly you out to our house and we'll cook you dinner and we'll thank you very much and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, nah, we got to do something stupid because, I mean, let's be honest, unless I've got some insane millionaire friends who are just wanting to be, uh, you know, D-bags about it, you know, they're not going to do it. So I was like, okay, how about the Are You Insane package, which for anybody who really wants to drop $1,000 in addition to getting everything that comes with the package, with the book and the posters and stickers and buttons and limited edition figurines and drawn into the book as a Samurai, you get your choice of Kyle pitching anything you want for half an hour anywhere you want, a hand-cooked brisket made by Matt Wright soaking in his own tears, or I think what most people would want to do, have a video of them shaving off our beards and lording it over us as the evil god they are. I would cry if someone would shave off your beards. I mean, what what would you change my name to at that point? Unshaven oof, now we're shaving comics? (laughs) 
Well, I, I imagine that uh, we'll have the video as evidence of them shaving on Shaven Comics, but we understand that sometimes you have to wear your beard in your heart. And if that's the case, you know, we'll be face bald for two weeks and then come back stronger than before. <laughs> well, if I had the money, I wouldn't make you guys do that. Um, I'd probably well, take how about Kyle. I make, how about I make I'd you a deal? Kyle. See, that's what I would have to take Kyle. So he's going to pitch for me? All right, so you're going to go, and you're going to go pitch my podcast everywhere. Bye. Have a nice time. I'll see you, see you in 30 minutes. Have a nice <laughs> oh, absolutely, and you and you know he'll do it. He'll have to he'll have to hold up a sign. Can I tell you about my podcast? So uh, I'll I'll tell you what uh, I'm a betting man, and I like to keep things interesting. So this is what I'm going to do. I've got I've got a two pronged uh, call to action for your listeners. Uh oh. If, Listen if up, everybody. Okay, Amanda. I swear, and you you have this recorded, so you can't you can hold this over us. If you get me fifteen backers to get the thirty dollar package or higher, so that's the actual graphic novel. You get fifteen people to do that and acknowledge that they heard about this here on your show. Fifteen of them. I will honor the Are You Insane package for you personally. Oh, sweet. <laughs> I hope all of you ATPers out there now go and definitely pledge on this. Not just for me, though. In all honesty, you're going to love this comic. This is something that's in my own stash. This is something that I pick up a copy every time I get to see these guys, and we talk all the time. But it would be pretty awesome to listen to Unshaven Comics have to promote AGP for 30 minutes, don't you all think? So, uh, I think so. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll even make it, uh, I mean, just to be fair and fun, for anybody listening that does back the Kickstarter at any level and mentions that they heard about it here in AGP, I will be sending you digitally copies of Disposable Razors 1, 2, and 3 uh, simply for being a fan. Uh, that's our incentive for the people who are involved with the podcast because we ourselves used to do a podcast and we, we love to support that and we want to make sure that all of your listeners uh, get a little uh, extra freebie for helping us out. Oh, well, we we here at ATP really do appreciate that. We, like, there's a mouse in my pocket or something. But, um, <laughs> but you know, it is that is really awesome, and I, I can get at least, I know three off the top of my head. So um, <laughs> I got to work on go. this. Well, <laughs> to go. I'm having, like, a little countdown on my on my Facebook page. Three, four, five. Keep counting up. It's, I got it. <laughs> it's like a Kickstarter for it's a Kickstarter for a Kickstarter. I, it's so meta. I can't help but but giggle at the the idea of it. I I love the idea, and of course, again, you know, I highly recommend backing this just because it is an amazing comic. You really do get it is all ages, and when you start reading it and you really get into it, the panels just disappear, and you start seeing it as a television or cartoon series. The panels just disappear, and it just becomes this great story, and your mind can take, and you can see the action sequences happening, which is one of the reasons why I do enjoy the comic very much. We appreciate that. And so definitely the, the conceit of the series itself, I mean, I've said it's, um, uh, I think it's, so if we're going to go through the official pitch in case we haven't been through it yet, the Samurai is about a team of samurai astronauts led by an immortal kung fu monkey 
fighting zombie cyborg pirates in outer space. And the the cool thing about the the, the Curse of the Dreadnoughts itself is that you've got uh, you know this team action adventure, but it's taking place over various time periods. And of course, there's a an immortal kung fu monkey master in it. And uh, I would say, unlike let's say the Power Rangers or even the Ninja Turtles, where you know Zordon is just a head in the jar, or Splinter's mainly stuck back at the headquarters, uh, Master Al. Albert Five, the immortal Kung Fu monkey, he is on the front lines when the Samurnauts need him to be, which includes, uh, no real spoiler alert here, by issue two, he's piloting a giant robot. So if you've got listeners who aren't excited by an immortal Kung Fu monkey piloting a giant robot, then I, I don't know if I've done my job. Uh, it excites me, and if anybody listens to the show, it probably excites them too, because most people who listen to the show are just as great as you and I, and just as geeky and nerdy. So I think they're very good. They're going to be very interested in it. But that's awesome. just my opinion. But of course, my opinion is mostly fact anyway. So exactly. <laughs> well, um, on top of everything else, of course, like all Kickstarters, there's always the simple ones. Range you have things ranging from five to a thousand dollars. You know, so there's just, you know, they can just back as support, they can get digital, they can get the hard copy. Because, you know, one of the nice things about getting digital copies is you can take your comics with you. But there's the, but there's always the nice thing of having the hard copy because then you can get it signed. And you guys do pretty a pretty decent amount of shows throughout the years as well. Um, I know you've already done a few. What other shows are you doing this year? Uh, well, uh, for the remainder of the year, we've got Dragon Con in Atlanta, and we've got New York Comic Con, of course, in New York, and uh, always a favorite of ours, Kokomo Comic Con, which is in Kokomo, Indiana. It's a great one-day show, and I think that might be it for the year. Uh, we didn't do as many shows this particular year because we've been working hard on the book, but uh, again, next year, I think we're going to be back to uh, sort of full speed, which is typically going to be about uh, a dozen shows, give or take, over the course of the year. I should say, for anybody who's in the Chicagoland area, we will be at Wizard World Chicago, just at the Comic Mix table. So people want to come stop by and, and wave hello, we'll definitely be there. So Very nice. And something that a lot of people don't realize is that you guys really have been working on the Samurnauts now for over four years. This has been quite a journey for you all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, when we started doing the Samurnauts, uh, at first it was sort of a joke. We were sort of getting out of what I would call the, um, uh, what would you want to call it, the, the mature phase or the I-need-to-swear-to-tell-my-stories phase. And uh, at the time, uh, by 2011, like 2010 when we started working on it, Matt and I were both married. We both had kids on the way. And it was just one of those things where, you know, if we're going to do something, it, it'd be nice that uh, I should be able to hand one of my books to a, a potential son or daughter. And uh, at that point, it was sort of, you know, leaning into the fact that our friendship, which has lasted over 20 years now, was really founded on our love of all of these great all-ages uh, shows and properties that never talked down to kids, just told really cool stories. And uh, sort of with that in mind, uh, that's where the Samurnauts was sort of built out from, is just that notion that um, we're going to tell stories that we wanted to see when we were growing up that we don't see coming out all that often now. And, uh, yeah, over the course of the last four years, you're talking 
uh, a thousand man hours worth of work that's put in every night, holiday, weekend, and sick day because we all have day jobs to take care of our families. Oh, yeah. And that's one of the things that a lot of people don't realize. Most of us in this industry, whether we're creating comics, doing podcasts, creating art, most of us have... Most of us have that nine to five. Very few of us, like Victor, get to do this, and it's our living. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, we know it's that's a big sacrifice, and for those people like Vic and Dan, who uh, have made that leap and can support themselves, I mean, we wish them all the power. And that, I mean, they're living the, they're living the dream, which probably is a little bit harder than the dream we're living. But uh, you know, uh, it, it's it's all about making this step happen. Because hey, if this Kickstarter happens and goes off really well. You know, obviously, we've got goals to continue to uh, promote and push Samurnauts elsewhere, and you never know. Uh, we always hear jokes, uh, you know, hey, when people read the book, they're like, you guys, this should be a cartoon. And we're like, we totally agree. Are you a producer? Uh, so one of these days, somebody, you know, somebody at Nickelodeon, I bet you right now, somebody at Nickelodeon is listening to this podcast, and they're going, how did I not lock this up? I've got to get a hold of this, people. Uh, but first, I've got to pay $1,000 and make them shave themselves because they got to look presentable, you know. See, you went with Nickelodeon. My thought is this would look really cool next to Adventure Time and um, what's the regular show. I, th- I picture this in that time slot. See, and if it's me, I would totally love to see it be like the lead-in or the follow-up to uh, Nickelodeon's Ninja Turtles or uh, any replays of Avatar because uh, I Ooh. love uh, – yeah, both of those are like that's sort of like uh, where we'd love to position ourselves is sort of in that. Hey, we know kids are watching this, but we know their parents are literally right behind them watching it too. And I guess the same thing oh, yeah. said too of Adventure Time and regular show. And uh, I mean, certainly that's kind of the cool thing about the Samurnauts is that you know it's all space and time, so we can get wacky and we can get serious. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, you know where where do we need to be this week, right? Right. Now, I do have to, I have to ask, because I've actually never asked you this question, either in person or not. Where did you even come up with this idea? Like, where did you go, hey, I loved it. Where did this story for you come from? Well, uh, the, the, uh, the real story is that uh, when we were doing disposable razors, at the end of issue one, we were left with the uh, inside back cover blank. And it came down to, well, either I put up, you know, Unshaven Comics was forged in a mighty fire and blah, 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 and check out our Facebook, or, you know, maybe I make some kind of advertisement for a local comic shop or something. And then I just got the idea. We we were going out for a pie and coffee at Baker Square, and I just sort of joked around. I'm like, we should just make a fake advertisement for a story we'll never tell. And we just got onto this riff where we were like, what's the most commercially crass concept we could possibly come up with? You know, something that just oozes, like, sell out tomorrow. And we were joking about it, and then Kyle was talking about this episode of Samurai Jack that he had watched where uh, Samurai Jack himself had kind of floated out into space. You know, so he had, like, the astronaut suit but a samurai sword, and he was joking about it. He's like, we should just do a series like that. And one idea that sort of piled on top of another were like, okay, Samurai Astronauts, Samurnauts, okay, we've got a name. What else does it need? Monkeys. Okay, so it's going to have a monkey. What else does it need? Uh, transforming Demon Dinosaurs. Yes, what else? Uh, and we just took all these notes, and essentially at the end of that night, uh, Matt and I 
sketched out this stupid fake advertisement for the Samurnauts, and uh, we colored it up, put it in the back of the book, and we put, jokingly, coming in the summer of 2020. And then when we finished Disposable Razors uh, issue two, and it was time to do issue three, we were sort of at a loss with where to go because we had done a horror book and we'd done kind of a superhero R-rated thing. And then it was like, well, um, what should we do next? A Western, uh, aliens, or underwater basket weaving? What sounds good? And I just happened to have that book one. I'm like, why aren't we doing Samurnauts? Like, that concept is gold. And at that point, <laughs> we're like, yeah, yeah, it is. So we just turned around and fleshed it out into a sort of a pilot issue. And in 2011, when we when we let that drop, uh, we'd never seen fan reaction like that before. Like we'd obviously been pitching at that point for three years, and you know when you pitch the horror book, you get people like, oh, that's cool, yeah, I like horror, I like gore, that's nice. And when you do the superhero stuff, they're like, yeah, I like superhero stuff, that's cool. But then when you say samurai astronauts led by an immortal kung fu monkey defighting uh, fighting demon dinosaurs from outer space. And they go, stop it, you had me at monkey. How much? <laughs> well, you're a little early if you were saying 2020 because uh, you realize it's 2015 and you released it in 2011. So you guys are a little bit ahead of time for your release date, which I have to commend you on. <laughs> but, yeah, we, we try to stay ahead of ourselves, uh, you know, or perhaps we exist in a pocket dimension where it's actually 2020 where when we're making the book and we're just sending it back in time so people can enjoy it now. So you're saying you have a TARDIS. I'm not saying I don't have a TARDIS. (laughs) And see, this is why I cried when you said you guys are no longer doing your podcast because I really did enjoy it. You guys just go random and I love it. (laughs) <laughs> we appreciate it. We, we had a lot of fun. Uh, you know, basically, as it turned out, Kyle uh, himself had he had to move to the Great White North, so he's up in Kenosha. Matt and I are still down here in the south suburbs of Chicago. It was just one of those things where it was like, you know, uh, the whole conceit of us doing the podcast was a sort of to force ourselves to get together. Uh, well, we always got together Friday nights for work night, but then it was just a way to like continue to like to get together and not make it just about work. So we're like, yeah, come over to Mark's house Sunday morning. We'll, you know, have donuts and coffee, and we'll just shoot the the breeze about comics and what we watched and everything. And when Kyle moved up, it was sort of like, you know, let's just let this go. And, uh, well, the idea really at that point, I said, well, we can either continue to do the podcast and have him Skype in or whatever, or we can actually just work twice as hard and actually try to get this book done. And, uh, you know, we put it to a company vote, and Kyle's votes are uh, four to one, so he said do that. (laughs) well then i commend you kyle because the book was top priority (laughs) but you know look you know you guys are so much fun to be able to hang out with and i love seeing you guys at the shows you guys are always fun um along with this kickstarter that you have going on do you have anything else that you want to talk about or any new projects that you've been working on or going in that massive mind of yours that's just bouncing around in there well uh i'm happy to say i mean obviously curse of the dreadnoughts is the top priority for us right now but i'm still writing every week on comicmix.com so people can always check me out uh, there once a week where I'm talking about everything that tickles my fancy. Last week I did a kind of a response pop-ed 
to uh, the great op-ed piece where uh, a great female writer was uh, declaring that she was boycotting Marvel for a couple of their recent decisions uh, with changing Hercules and removing uh, black creators from the Blade book and stuff like that. So I did a response piece to that. But really, outside of that, once we finish Curse of the Dreadnoughts, we're going to be diverging into the greater Samurnauts universe. So Matt's going to do a book by himself where he's basically doing all the plotting and then Kyle and I are just going to sort of help out with maybe some of the specifics of the dialogue and whatnot. He's going to be doing a story about a one-off team of Samurnauts uh, built together in the 1920s in Mexico City. It's the Luchanauts. Luchador Samurnauts who are put together one day, one night, to defend humanity against the uh, rise of an evil ancient Aztec god. And then I'm going to be working concurrently on a series set in the 1980s called The Few That Failed, where we sort of get to explore uh, the Samurnauts team of the 80s, maybe more of a Gachaman, Battle of the Planets, a Voltron-esque team, but they all end up having to deal with the uh, excesses of the 80s amidst fighting a team of insectoid, Borg-like Soviet robots. Wow. Why wasn't that a cartoon back in the 80s anyway? <laughs> <laughs> well, once I, get, once I get my not-tardist to work, I'll be going back in time to make that happen. But in the meantime, <laughs> that'll just be what we work on next. We, there's that, are you a producer thing? Not a producer, but we need one. We desperately need one. But, you know, again, um, let's get back to the Kickstarter here real quickly. Now, you're looking for a pledge of 6500 which I want to say congratulations. With 20 days ago, you have $3,050 with 63 backers. That is amazing um, because everybody knows when it comes to Kickstarters, it will tear your soul apart trying to watch it every hour on the hour. So congratulations yeah, I, on that. Thank you. I, I will say the old <laughs> adage is true. A watched Kickstarter is never backed. No. <laughs> but, you know, I would like to ask you this. You know, this is, is this your first Kickstarter? This is technically our second. We did uh, do a very small-scale Kickstarter back in 2011. So basically once we finished the first book of Samurnauts, uh, we were sort of standing on a soapbox going, well, Kickstarter should only be for projects that you really couldn't do on your own. So we raised $1,100 to make a what I would call a film-grade version of Samurnaut armor for a cosplayer, and we were able to successfully fund that. It was very cool. Uh, we wore that suit out to death. Uh, the blue Samurnaut, Eric, uh, he wore that thing literally until we had to burn it in effigy. And it was totally worth the time and effort and energy and fun. But, uh, yeah, this is what I would call our first official Kickstarter, where we're sort of following the same indie comic model that's kind of prevalent right now in the industry, where we're asking for backing so that we can publish our first graphic novel, you know, because really, for anybody who doesn't know, when you're publishing, you you can't really produce a small order of graphic novels and be able to make back your money anytime easy. So you're looking at a minimum print of a thousand books. So what we're really doing to raise is that sixty five hundred dollars is basically to cover the cost of a small run 
of the graphic novel itself. And uh, our, we obviously have machinations. We'd love to be able to make more than 6,500, but that's the goal to work towards right now. And uh, obviously I should give a big shout-out to anybody within the sound of my voice who has backed us already. Like you said, we've got 60-plus backers, and we could not be where we are today without them. Definitely not. So do you have any tips that you want to give to anybody out there who would possibly be looking at setting up a Kickstarter, but they have no idea where to even begin? Uh, I would say do your research. Find similar products and projects that have been backed successfully and uh, do your due diligence. See what their average rate was for people who backed. Look at what the rewards package looked like. Look at how the delivery dates worked for it. I mean, there's, there's like a micro ecosystem, if you will, of uh, Kickstarters out there now. So I'd say to simply do the research. But my best bet would be if you're going to be in comics and you want to do a comic book Kickstarter, I would say give yourself three months to plan the Kickstarter itself. That means aligning all of your vendors, who's going to publish the book, who's going to produce it, who's going to print it, how much does it cost, do you have your artist and writing team, do you have all of that stuff built, do you have enough artwork to share with people to entice them to come, do you have somebody to make the video, do you have other cool rewards that you want to build out. I mean, there's so much work to it. Um, and I would say if there's anyone who's got something like really specific they'd like to know, they're more than welcome to contact us uh, either via the Kickstarter, via uh, Facebook, whatever. We're very happy to I – mean, we're, we're super transparent about this. Uh, in fact, I, I like to post on our Facebook and stuff where I'll say, hey, you know, somebody who had a really successful Kickstarter just messaged me and said, people who comment – on Kickstarters, the Kickstarters typically do better. So can someone go there and comment? And then poof, we got comments. And you know, now I can turn it back on them and say, okay, people have commented. Where are my new backers? <laughs> and what are some of the things that you have found that have been most difficult for you with your first official Kickstarter? Uh, I think the biggest problem I've had really is just the anxiety attack that I've been suffering for from the last 13 days. Uh, I mean, really, there's, we, it's been really smooth. I, I can't really complain that much. It's just been uh, – it, it, it's a bad problem to have. It's like when you, you see people on Facebook and you really want to, like, catch up with them and see how they're doing – and they immediately like, look, dude, got it. Faith, you know, Facebook, you, you posted it enough. I'm like, no, no, I really want to know how you're doing. And like, yeah, I'm fine. I will back you tomorrow. Um, it's just uh, making sure uh, for me is that all of our I's are dotted, our T's are crossed, and that uh, everything that we promise to deliver to people, we can actually deliver to them on time. And uh, for me, honestly, maybe beyond that is just having enough stuff to update. I was told that you need to update your Kickstarter almost every day. And uh, outside of just pushing up some of the pages we've been working on, making a couple of fun videos, and promoting the, the great podcasts that we've been a part of so far, there's not been much else I can update people on. So uh, I've been turning it out to say, hey, if there's something you want me to update, let me know, because otherwise uh, it's just going to be the next 20 days of, you know, here's a picture of Mark's beard growing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's just funny. 
You always make me laugh. Now, you know, again, uh, you know, the Kickstarter, there's still 20 days left. We're still looking for, what is it? Let's see, you're at 3050 so you're looking at about $2,950 more, which that's really not too, too bad. Is that no, right? I'm saying it's very doable. My, my my math's never that great. You should listen to my last week's podcast. I made somebody go from who should have been in their thirties to back into their twenties. So my math is a little off sometimes. But <laughs> you know, you you still you know at this point you could actually think that you're almost at that halfway point. I believe you're what like a certain percentage. I, you're not quite at fifty percent, but you I know think you it's guys are really forty six. Yeah, yeah, I think it's forty six. Yeah, so we're we're obviously very very close, and uh, yeah. I'm definitely hopeful that um, you know that it, we're on track to meet that goal. So long as people continue to back us, and more so if you've backed us, or even if you can't back us, just boost the signal, share the project out, and uh, I would say like my conceit is if you're going to share it. You know, just look at how people respond to you typically on Facebook when you share another link. So I always like to say if you can tag one or two friends that actually might want to see what it is, do that instead of necessarily just putting out kind of a blanket post like, these guys are great. You should you should help them out. Because I know that, like, when I see that, I'm probably skeptical as other people are like, yeah, okay, why, you know, should I really – so I, I typically, like, if I really do want to back the project, if I really feel like this is cool, I will tag people I know who might like the concept. And obviously we've been over that too. So if you know any parents of kids sort of in the, let's say, 8 to 63-year-old range, uh, this book's kind of for them. So let them know. <laughs> now, something that we like to do here on AGP is we do like to get to know a little bit about the creators themselves. And you sent me the funniest bio I have ever read. Like, I was like, I'm not going to change anything in this bio. And if you looked, I used it verbatim when I was promoting the show. And one of the things that I noticed is that you are a video game enthusiast. So I have to ask you, are you an Xbox, a Wii, or a PlayStation person? Um, I am an Xbox and Wii uh, sort of dual. I said, I've got a three and a half year old, and we've sort of, uh, he, he has just realized what the Wii is. So I've been really playing a ton of that lately because it's something that he can kind of get into with daddy. And then when he just wants to sort of sit back and watch, we'll, we'll play a little bit of Xbox and stuff. But, you know, I am a video game enthusiast, but may, let me make it clear. I am not a gamer by any definition. Uh, if, if people want to truly laugh, you should watch me play Halo. It looks like I might have mental problems. You know, not everybody's made for first-person shooters. I am not a first-person shooter. Now, I am a gamer, but I am not good at first-person shooters. Hence the reason that when I play, you can hear people yelling in the mic set going, it's a camper, because that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Is it because, like, you, you basically, like, you just keep firing at the ground, hoping that you'll start a small fire that you can roast digital marshmallows at and just sort of just sort of chill? No, I'm really good at sniping, but I'm not really good against the little kids who play, like, all day long and have nothing better to do so they can, like, run through and, like, kill everybody in the area. So I go and I hunker down in, like, this little itty-bitty corner, and I sit there and I just sniper people, and all you hear is, don't go over there, there's a camper. So my kill-to-death ratio is actually really great in Call of Duty, 
because I don't yeah. die a lot, but I'm a camper, and they, as soon as Lady Vader 79 pops up, it's, oh, no, and it's like, um, maybe I need to change my name. <laughs> there you go. Just You know what? Just uh, defy expectation. Just call yourself, like, Camper 69 and just lean into it. <laughs> now, you have an addiction that I have an addiction to, which is really, really bad. You are addicted to Diet Coke. Yeah, I would say uh, that bio may be just a tad old. I, 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 can, I can finally say that I, I'm not truly addicted to it anymore, but it's more like a, a shark in the water thing if I, if I taste Diet Coke, my eyes kind of dilate out, and then, yeah, you know, uh, like two hours later, I've got like four two liters by my, my uh, feet, and I'm just sort of hazy. I don't really remember much. <laughs> I, I have to admit, I can't live without it. It is my ultimate number one drink. I will drink Diet Coke to the day I die. I cannot let it go, which is why Diet Coke really needs to be one of my sponsors because I truly, I truly do drink Diet Coke just for the taste of it. <laughs> it is delightfully crisp and refreshing, I do have to say. Very much so. Now, so you're, you, you're a video game enthusiast, but you don't really play a lot of video games. You said that you played a little bit of Halo. So do you prefer playing first-person shooter games, or do you like more platformer games, or you just like to play whatever? Oh, I would say, like, um, as of late, really, uh, I'm a big fan of wrestling video games. So, like, the WWE 2K series I, I've enjoyed lately. All of the Batman uh, Arkham games, been a big, big fan of those. Uh, outside of that, I, I think I'm more of like a, a simple, classic, arcade type gamer. I do like Marvel vs. Capcom, that kind of side-scrolling uh, fighting games. And then, um, you know, really on the Wii, the Wii Sports is really fun. Just like being able to fake bowl and fake play tennis. And the, my son really loves the fake sword fighting. So anything like that, really sort of typical action-adventure stuff is kind of more my speed. Nice. Me, I like, I'll admit it, I like the Lego games. I'm addicted to the Lego games. I can't figure out what it is, but you put a Lego game in front of me, it's over. I will, it turns into, like, my World of Warcraft. I can't finish, I'm not 100% through yet, and I don't have all the characters unlocked, and I can't finish. I can't go to work today. Sorry. I think my uh, you, you and my... You and my wife, Amanda, because, uh, yeah, we we own uh, uh, a certain number of those Lego games, and for the life of me, I just sort of raise an eyebrow. I'm like, you know, I really can't say anything based on all of my hobbies. But, yeah, like, we've got every Lego game you can possibly think of. I think uh, anything from the last uh, probably four years or so that's got Lego on it, we own. Uh, I can't say anything. The first one that came out when it was Star Wars, that was it. I was hooked. I played them all. I got. I have to finish them to 100%. You know, they've got the new. I have. I had to get the new Batman one. Batman three came with this really cool the Batman tumbler. I was really excited for that. I was like, yay! And of course, for some reason, though, my boss doesn't say. My boss doesn't think that calling off of work so I can finish a video game is an excusable reason. I don't know. I think that they're they're just missing out on that. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> okay, so we have somebody in the chat room <laughs> that's listening live right now, and all they said was, is, I want to figure out how to play Space Invaders. Do you want to figure out how to play Space Invaders? 
Yeah, I, I think they're still stuck on an Atari or a ColecoVision. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm fairly certain you, you just uh, hold the stick left or right and smash the button until your finger bleeds. And you have to make the pew, 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 pew sound. Yeah, that's how it works nowadays, yeah. right? You have to say pew, pew, pew. <laughs> I'm almost certain, yeah. Unless okay, it's like but... they're... <laughs> Go on. No, I just said good. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> you know what we could say? Welcome to ATP where we're going to teach you how to play Space Invaders. <laughs> yeah, everybody with me now. Left, now right, now mash on button. Repeat. <laughs> <laughs> and that's going to be the new thing on the shampoo bottles. Right, left, mash, repeat. <laughs> exactly. All right. So we are coming down to the last bit of the hour. So, of course, they can find it on Kickstarter, and it's the Samurnauts. That's S-A-M-U-R-N-A-U-T-S, Curse of the Dreadnoughts, D-R-E-A-D-N-U-T-S, the graphic novel. Um, they can find you on Facebook under Mark, which is spelled with a C, not a K, Alan Fishman. And you are also on Twitter at Unshaven Mark, again, with a C, not with a K, all lowercase, correct? Correct. As I, if you just go to Kickstarter and you type in uh, Sam or not, uh, it should come up. If you type Unshaven Comics, it should come up. Uh, and then you can actually, I mean, basically, if you just go to Facebook.com slash Unshaven Comics, we link uh, we link to the Kickstarter a lot, so just uh, scroll through basically any post and you'll find a link. If you can't find the link, I've done my job wrong, and you should punch me in the face. <laughs> and is there any place else that people can find more about Unshaven Comics other than on Twitter or Facebook or going to the Kickstarter? Uh, you can go to unshavencomicsonline.com. That's kind of our just home-based website. We've got a little bit about us and some of the other books that we've done, uh, some of the older content. You've got 169 episodes of the Unshaven Rantcast that you are welcome to download and listen to. Uh, that's all at unshavencomicsonline.com. And outside of that, you can also go to comicmix.com and just go up to the contributors, and you'll see that uh, I'm one of the columnists there. You can always check me out there, too. Great. And, of course, you said that you'll also be going to Dragon Con, which is Labor Day weekend in September. Uh, New York City Comic Con, which will be in October, and Kokomo in Indiana, and that's going to be when? That's late October. So I believe uh, they are usually the week or week a weekend after um, the New York Comic Con. So, yeah, just go to KokomoComicCon.com or just search for it. I'm sure it comes up. It's If you live anywhere in the state of Indiana and you can drive there, I highly suggest it. It's probably my favorite one-day show that I've ever been to because uh, from a, a dealer standpoint, from an artist standpoint, every artist is given a 10 by 10 space so everyone gets to spread out and really showcase all of their work and uh, it's just a great set of guys out there uh, that throw that show so I know that uh, you know some people may not like to uh, toss a ton of money at these multi-day weekend extravaganzas. So if you want just like what a good old-fashioned Comic-Con, uh, what Comic-Cons used to be, that that's sort of perfect for you, the Kokomo Comic-Con. It is actually a really good show, and I do highly recommend it. I've been there once. Unfortunately, I just haven't been able to make it back because I get pulled in too many other directions. But I did make it there once, and it is a great one-day show, so I do highly recommend that as well. And, of course, talking about my recommendations, don't forget to go to Kickstarter. 
back to Sam Renata. Of course, if you are listening to AGP, make sure that you put in a comment somewhere that you heard about this Kickstarter on AGP so you can get the Disposable Razors, the original anthology series from Unshaming Comics digitally to anyone who listens to AGP. And help me get my, uh, I'm going to get my 30 minutes of promotion time because that sounds absolutely fabulous. And, of course, as always, thank you so much, Mark, for being on the show. I really do appreciate it. Of course, you are welcome back any time that you want. That's awesome. I'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs> we'll do the whole thing over again. Uh, I've got 20 days left. So, no, thank you so much, Amanda. This is really fun, and I definitely want to come back. Uh, hopefully, maybe after the Kickstarter is over and we're super successful, and uh, next time we'll, we'll ramrod make sure Kyle's on. the. Uh, you can just put him on the air for 30 minutes and just make him talk about how amazing you are. Well, I had to listen to you guys talked about how amazing I was on your podcast. I can't remember which episode it was where you said you were going to make Amanda the golden statue thingy or whatever it was. And I was like, okay, you guys went far above and beyond um, when I, because I wanted to sing about getting you guys like followers on Facebook, which was fabulous. And of course, um, I do real quickly want to say everybody. Uh, you can always catch AGT live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can follow me on Facebook. It's under Amanda Gillum, spelled like William, but with a G instead of a W. Or you can follow me on Twitter at LadyVader79. Again, we do want to thank Mark for taking time out of his busy schedule and walking away from the Kickstarter for like a whole hour without having to stare at it, going, do we get another backer yet? So um, <laughs> thank you again, and um, I wish you all the best. And hopefully you can be a Samurai and you can help defend our wonderful universe and galaxy from evil zombie pirates and what was the what were the dinosaurs again? Transforming demon dinosaurs. Yeah, defend us from those. Until next time, you all have a wonderful night. Samurais are go. <laughs> okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.